Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Hey, welcome to Nurses Out Loud. I'm your host, Nurse April, and I have invited my sister back on again. She was on our um, previous show and we were talking about autism and there was just so much information we couldn't cover it all. And so we decided, you know what, we're going to have to start over and do another episode because I know that these questions are out there. And as a parent, I personally would want to know as much as I could. So I decided let's do this again. So we're going to do this again. This is part two. Who knows? It might end up being a multi-part series. It might take more than two parts. It might take like 20 parts, but we'll see. But um, again, this is Nurses Out Loud. We air Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an encore at 10 p.m. All of our shows go to podcast a day after they air, and you can listen on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Um, follow us, like subscribe, do all of the things and, um, also support our show sponsors because they are the reason why we are able to continue to air on these platforms. So without further ado, I want to reintroduce my sister Paris and also remind you guys a little bit of the background story. So my sister Paris is my sister-in-law. She married my brother, Brian, and they have beautiful children, one of which is autistic. His name is Harley. And so we've been talking about Harley and how he was diagnosed. So in the first episode, we talked about, you know, what it was like leading up to his diagnosis and what are some things that she did and lifestyle changes that she made to help him to achieve some of the developmental milestones, like talking, which is something that you take for granted until you can't do it. Right. So if you have a child who's born with the inability to communicate, that is, you know, panic worthy. So she did a lot of research and has become a subject matter expert in this area. So I want her to share all of her knowledge with you guys. So tell me, what did we leave off on? We were talking about what? How we were talking about how Harley has um, become obsessed with numbers. Um, Yeah. Because uh, you started with talking about how he has this obsession with um, toilets and mm-hmm. seeing all the different toilets flush and the direction of the water. And so you thought that, you know, there's some science and some math that he's doing there. He's not just simply observing the water. Yeah. Um, and to that, I agreed with you because I was saying that now he has become so interested in such large numbers. And we're talking about numbers that I had to Google um, what what they are called, you know, mm-hmm. numbers like 10 to the 39th power, you know, and and so um, I actually just put a video on for him this morning, I found that talked about placement value that goes beyond thousands and millions um, to just get him interested. Um, and I mean, take advantage of the fact that he is even 
interested in that. And he right. retains information so well. His memory is, I often joke and say that he took my memory because I don't <laughs> care. Because <laughs> like you can't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> but he remembers everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And what, what I, I, you know, just to describe this a little bit more to people. So um, when I first realized it, like we went to go visit. So I'm originally from Michigan. All my family is still in Michigan. I'm here all alone in Texas, but um, we went to go visit and he Harley was just like, we were staying in this Airbnb and he wanted to go to all the bathrooms and he wanted to see the toilets flush. And I mean, he was fascinated with it. And then when I came home and we were FaceTiming one time, he just wanted to see the, the house, the toilets in our house flush. So like I went from bathroom to bathroom and just showed him the toilets flushing. And he is absolutely mesmerized by that. And to, you know, it made me think about, we need to take him, we need to do like a family vacation and take him to a place where the toilets flush in the opposite direction. Mm. he would probably be like, what? And he would for sure notice because (laughs) his attention to detail is top tier. I mean, he knows people's cars. Really? Uh, Oh, he remembers. So, you know, um, for the viewers, I am a hairstylist and I have started working from home since the pandemic. And so when my clients come, he has memorized all of my clients' cars. So there have been times where, someone has pulled up in a different car and he will ask them, where's your other car? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's how my neighbor's son is. His memory is, it's insane. And he'll remember these small details. And I'm like, how does he remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, their attention to detail. I mean, like you said before in, you know, the previous episode, these children are smart. And I think that people really forget that, you know, there's this, they have this title of being autistic or on the spectrum. um, But that doesn't mean dumb. And I think people often use those words uh, interchangeably, you know, that autistic or being on the spectrum means that you're not intelligent. In fact, it's the complete opposite. They're actually more intelligent than we are. Mm-hmm. They just have uh, communication um, challenges that we don't have, you know, yeah. that's really it. They, they have so much in their brain. Articulating it is something that is a challenge or maybe they have you know, stereotypes and repetitive behaviors that may get in the way, um, kind of like a person who may experience like nervous tics or something. Right. Um, each kid is different. Each kid has a different challenge, but all of them are extremely, extremely intelligent. One of the things that I think about as a parent, and I think probably every single parent thinks about is, you know, we have these dreams and we have these aspirations for our children growing up. And we have these fantasies of what their wedding is going to be like and who are they going to marry? And, you know, what are their kids going to be like? Our grandkids going to be like. And so one of the struggles that I had when I gave birth to my youngest, who was born with a very rare um, birth defect, 
I had to mourn the loss of a lot of those dreams that I had once had because he was different. And I wasn't going to be able to experience a lot of the things that I had planned in my head. Well, at least I thought I wasn't. Um, but a, the human is an amazing um, organism and they are quite capable of adapting. But you have these fears when you don't know, like you just have all of these what ifs and maybe this won't happen for them. And one of my fears when my son was born was what if no one loves him the way that I love him? What if he never gets a chance to get married? Was that something that you thought about? Uh, yeah, that is actually. Um, I found myself thinking even deeper than that um, about a lot of things such as not just will he get married, but the reality is um, I am raising a Black boy. Mm -hmm. And now I have the added layer um, uh, that he is also an autistic boy. So in a world where we live, where it's just, there's just a lot of unfairness and a lot of cruelty mm -hmm. um, towards black people. Um, it is a, it is a real fear that he would ever be put in a situation where someone doesn't have the patience and the compassion to try to understand him mm -hmm. before they act in, you know, you know, like, you know, don't shoot first kind of mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was a real fear. I think um, at the top of my list before I even thought about marriage. I mean, I've also thought about like, you know, before he started progressing the way that he has like, oh, my gosh, like, is he going to live with us forever? Like, is this right. do I need to care for him for the rest of his life? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, and even even when you talk about kids, you know, kids, they're curious. And there's been plenty of stories of kids who are experimenting and discovering their bodies with each other. And they don't realize maybe sometimes that's inappropriate or maybe, you know, whatever the mm -hmm. case may be. I, that is also something I have thought about, you know, yeah. getting him to understand, um, keeping your hands to yourself and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate um, so that no one is able to take advantage of him sexually, but also that he doesn't, he doesn't take advantage of someone else sexually and not understand the gravity of what he's doing. Wow. I hadn't even thought about that. Wow. And so then how do you process that? Like, what do you do? How do you, how do you teach him? And is he learning does it seem like he's receiving what you're teaching him? So, yes, but it takes um, it takes consistency and and I, really with all kids in general, but especially with kids on the spectrum, you really have to be on it. You cannot be lazy, mm -hmm. meaning you can't say, hey, don't do this or else this is going to happen. And then the fifth time that they do it, you're so exhausted from having to repeat yourself that you don't follow through with mm -hmm. the consequence. You have to always follow through because it literally only takes for you to be lazy one time mm -hmm. for them to get the message that, hey, all I have to do is this. 
and then nothing's going to happen. Interesting. Now, is that something that you learned in your, in your, um, during therapy? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, ABA therapy was, oh man, those people, those are some angels, man. I mean, what they do when you, when you're able to get into a program with people who are actually very passionate about these kids and what they do, and they are very, um, diligent on the data that they Mm -hmm. take, Mm -hmm. um, it, it has been one of the most helpful tools and lessons for me. I used to go, um, he went five days a week. Mm-hmm. I would go every Wednesday and I had to do training and they would take data on me wow. and my progress and how well I was learning the, you know, how to deal with him. Um, they would observe me, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. which was a little nerve wracking at first. <laughs> yeah. Um, because everything about dealing with the kid on the spectrum is the opposite of what we are inclined to do or what we are taught. Mm-hmm. You're literally turning everything on its head mm. because everything is just different. For now you're, you're saying ABA or ADA? ABA. Okay. What does it stand for? Um, I know, I know the B is for behavioral, like applied behavioral. And I don't know what the other A is for. Okay. Okay. Um, but everything behavioral in a sense, this is behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have your speech therapy, you have your occupational therapy where they're dealing with their fine motor skills, but behavioral is um, one of the biggest things. Applied behavioral analysis. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's one of the biggest things. I mean, they helped us with eating, mm-hmm. potty training, mm-hmm. um, we called it problem behavior. Um, so for Harley, being around other kids can be a blessing and a curse. So if if said kid is um, a positive influence, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But if he's around other kids on the spectrum who have some some challenges that he doesn't have, maybe, you know, screaming or um you know, having tantrums, hurting themselves. Mm -hmm. Those are things that they're observing. And so they pay attention to what happens with that kid. How are they being treated? Um, One of the things I learned about Harley is he loves attention. Mm. And I had to really, really learn how to respond to that because he doesn't care if it's negative or positive attention as long as it's attention. So for me growing up, you know, your parents always corrected you Mm -hmm. because why? If I don't correct this behavior, they'll continue doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was what I thought. So when he would do certain things, I would always be yelling about it and trying to correct him because I don't want him to continue the behavior. But in all actuality, that's not how he's receiving it. He's receiving it as attention. Interesting. So here's um. I, I'm just reading this. Um, I'm, and I look, I'm hesitating here to say this, but okay. I'm reading this on Wikipedia because it's convenient to get a summary, at least to see what the, um, the mainstream understanding of what ABA is. Mm-hmm. And it actually just said something about what you're saying, but it says applied behavior analysis, also called behavioral engineering is a psychological intervention that applies empirical approaches based upon the principles of respondent and operant conditioning to change behavior of social significance. It is the applied form of behavior analysis. 
The other two forms are radical behaviorism or the philosophy of the science and the experimental analysis of behavior or basic experimental laboratory research. The name applied behavior analysis has replaced behavior modif modification because the latter approach suggested attempting to change behavior without clarifying the relevant behavior environment interactions. In contrast, ABA changes behavior by first assessing the functional relationship between a targeted behavior and the environment. Further, the approach often seeks to develop socially acceptable alternatives for aberrant behaviors. Huh, sounds like what they did to us during COVID. So this may not yeah. be just something they use on um, children who display signs of autism. They might be actually using this technique on us as a, as a society. Oh, for sure. Because, because they don't, here's the thing. They're still doing research mm -hmm. about autism and the spectrum. Now it's just called the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And notice they don't use terms like, um, you know, what is the name of it? And it just slipped my mind. Um, Asperger's. Yes. That's just on the spectrum now. Mm -hmm. They don't okay. use that term. Why did they change it's, that? It's ultimately, they don't know. Mm. They don't know and they're still researching it. And so we see this throughout history. You know what I'm saying? Right. People don't know something. They research it. This person comes up with this, you know, idea about it. And people take it and run with it until the next scientist or researcher comes up with a, a refined or modified version of the last, you know, discovery. Mm -hmm. And that's really all it is. And, you know, and to that, I say, for me, my experience with ABA was positive, but also I was very involved. Mm -hmm. And there were some things that I stood my ground on. Mm -hmm. and said, no, we're not going to go that route. Mm -hmm. For instance, when we talked about him understanding sexuality mm -hmm. as much as you can understand at this age, at least to understand what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to make sure that he's safe and to make sure that people are safe around him. Mm -hmm. um, he went through, so he's seven now, so it was when he was five, he, he discovered his privates. Mm -hmm. And um, again, because they're, you know, everything is heightened for them. Their senses are heightened. Mm -hmm. It felt good. And mm -hmm. all he knows is what it feels like, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so um, if you're a man listening to this and you have touched your privates and you know how good it feels, times that by 10, that's what it feels like for a kid on the spectrum, you mm -hmm. know? So trying to get him to stop the behavior, understand that it was inappropriate, mm -hmm. was something that took me um, two, almost two years. Wow. I remember that almost now. I mean, I totally forgot about that. And no one agreed with me. His mm -hmm. therapist at the, um, his ABA therapist said, oh, well, this is normal for their age. You just need to let him know when it's appropriate to do it and not to do it around other people. And in my mind, mm -hmm. I just can't, I, it wasn't sitting right with me. Mm -hmm. There's no appropriate time for a five-year-old to go in the room and have covers over him and 
you know, yeah, play with itself. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. not appropriate. No matter the time or the day, it's just not, you know, what am I teaching him? And because, you know, we are Christians. So mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm teaching him, you know, what the Bible says and how to conduct yourself the way that God intended mm-hmm. and what is your purpose? Your purpose is not to play with your private. Yeah, <laughs> that's not wow. your purpose. So I, no one, when I say no one agreed with me, no one agreed with me. You know, even my husband as a male, he's like, oh, you know, it's, it, it's normal, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause he's a guy. So he remembers what, when he discovered feelings down mm-hmm. there, you know, mm-hmm. but I was extreme mm-hmm. it, to most people because one of his things he would do was he would get covers. Mm-hmm. or pillows right mm-hmm. and so I would walk around and I would take all the covers in the house <laughs> okay like to the point where my husband one night was like um because I, I had forgot I took all the covers and it was bedtime and I don't do bedtime my husband does bedtime so um I forgot I took all the covers and he was laying in his bed and he didn't have any <laughs> cover on him and my husband comes in he's like you know uh, don't you think you should give him his covers? I think it's kind of cold. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I have all the covers. But that was what I had to go to that extreme because yeah. he would still sneak and do it, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And so then you're faced with, let's go back to the attention, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm correcting the behavior. I should only, and this is the rule, I should only say something to you one time. Mm-hmm especially now that I know that you're capable of understanding Mm -hmm. any times after that. um, I'm just giving you the attention that you want. Oh, okay. You know, so he's a visual person. So for like right now, I have created a behavioral chart for him that is in our kitchen on a whiteboard Mm -hmm. and it's simple. One side, he can get green circles or he can get red circles you know, and he's only allowed to get five of those a day. So if he gets five red, then I'm something gets taken away. Mm-hmm. That gives him something to work towards. You know, yeah. when he does good, you celebrate him. We call it the Disney voice with therapy. You know, they did very well at that. And it's just being just really celebratory and having that high pitched voice and, you know, just kind of making it a big deal for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And they love that. And at least, you know, Harley loves that. Mm-hmm. So when he's able to get a, a green circle, once he gets five, he gets a treat, right? Mm-hmm. That gives him a motivator. Wow. But it works. It has worked so much better for me rather than just saying, hey, don't do that. Hey, I told you don't do that. And then I'm repeating myself throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Hey, I told you don't do that. Hey, did, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. And now I'm just falling into that cycle of giving that that negative attention, but if it's just attention to him. Interesting that you're talking about this too, because um, I did an episode actually um, about the Kinsey Institute and the research that they were doing on sex, gender, and reproduction. And I was talking about how they did all this research on children as young as three months of age using pedophiles to gather all this information. And then they took the information that they call, and I'm putting in here air quote science, and they created the sex education that we grew up with. And this whole idea 
that um, sexuality is natural and it's normal and it begins very early on and just let kids do what they want to do, play with themselves, you know, self-satisfy, self-soothe. And then with the newest um, global health initiative, they're trying to change the curriculum in schools, which people don't believe me when I tell them this, but they are literally trying to teach the kindergartners about masturbation. And this is a global health initiative and they think that this is normal and okay. Uh, they're introducing, of course, the pornography and playing with toys, sex toys, all of these things. And this is a, a battle that we're having right now, which is one of the reasons why I always tell parents, if you can do everything you can to try and pull your kids out of public schools and homeschool them until this, until this passes, this storm passes, because yeah. you want to protect them. Um, and so at the end of the episode, I was talking about how important it is to teach people about how to control the desires of the flesh, because ultimately we're going to be exposed because society insists on exposing us all to some sort or some form of sexuality, whether it is natural sexuality between a husband and a wife or something deviant, they insist on exposing us. And so how do we combat that as parents? We have to teach our children how to control the desires of the flesh. So that, and you didn't even know that. So this is not even a conversation that we had. This is something you did on your own. I didn't even realize that you were doing it. And I just think that's so cool to know that it was successful. Yeah. But, but, but it took consistency because look how long I said, like, you know, I just, I just kind of looked up one day Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I haven't had to take any um, blankets in a long time, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but he was definitely like six and a half, seven. Mm-hmm. Like this is like recent, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and but then he found something else. It was like weird shows on YouTube. So then I took YouTube off the TVs, mm-hmm. you know, um, because you're dealing with and what, what did you say the last episode the first one that we talked mm-hmm. is they have obsessive behaviors mm-hmm. so they find something that they like that's wonderful when we're talking about oh you're obsessed with math mm-hmm. you know right great but when those are negative things and even when you look at the direction that our world is going in with you know all that you just discussed with with teaching with their teaching kids in the schools the dangerous thing about that is that's dangerous for their young minds Mm -hmm. but for parents like me who have kids on the spectrum right it's extremely dangerous because you have to remember I'm telling you my story and I'm telling you how my son has progressed from being almost nonverbal to now very verbal, but there are still kids on the spectrum out there who their only means of communication is a tablet. Mm. They have to use a tablet and press buttons to say simple things like good morning, hi, goodbye. How are these kids supposed to communicate with you? What may be happening to them? Okay, we need to go to break. And I mean, you're taking this in a direction I hadn't even thought of, but we have to go down this road. So on the other side of this break, we're going to pick this back up. It's time and this is 
World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rx nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com. Seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Hey, welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. My guest today is my sister Paris, and she was just talking before the break about the importance of communication and what happens when you have a child that's autistic and really unable to express themselves. And how does that affect them when sexuality comes into the picture? And right now with this big push, you, have you seen the, the latest research that they're saying that a lot of children who are identifying as transgender are also autistic? Yeah, I mean, it's very easy. So you know why? Hmm. What, did, what did you, what did that whole thing you read about what Wikipedia says about ABA? Oh my God. That's exactly what it is. So in everything that we do, you, you can use it for positive or you can use it for negative. My experience with ABA has been a positive one because we used it for positive. And again, when they started going in a negative direction, I stood my ground and I said, no, we're not going to do that. But what about the parents who literally so many parents that I saw every day, we became like a family unit. Mm -hmm. They are so overwhelmed and stressed out trying to do what's best for their kid on the spectrum and work mm -hmm. and, you know, just be themselves right it is the, if you look at I could tell you my day-to-day -day, I told you we went five days a week mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. so luckily we have insurance but even with insurance very expensive this copay was $25 a day five days a week Ooh. for three years you do the math mm -hmm. okay and so um I was able to be as involved as I was because I am an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. so I can, uh, you know, change my schedule 
for my kids, it doesn't mean that I'm not sacrificing because the thing about being an entrepreneur is if you don't work, you don't make money. Mm-hmm. So I just decided that this was my family was more important and we just go without some things, but not everyone can do that. Not everyone is an entrepreneur. There are so many parents who couldn't even drop their kids off every day. You're talking about, I'm taking him at nine Mm o'clock and I need to be back by 1230 to pick him up. Mm -hmm. Who can do that five days a week? What jobs are being compassionate where Mm -hmm. they're saying, oh, you got stuff to do with your kids. It's parents who don't have kids on the spectrum and they struggle just trying to get off to pick their kid up from school. So true. You know what I'm saying? Just to throw this in there, everyone that I know that I'm thinking of off the top of my head who have autistic children, the, the moms all stay at home. They have to, in order to be able to get them to their therapies and to be able to take care of their needs. It is yeah. a full-time job. It is. It's the moms or a grandparent. I saw plenty of grandparents mm-hmm. um, who stepped in to help and, and, you know, take these kids to their therapies and, and pick them up, drop them off and all of that. Um, it really does take a village. Um, it is a lot of work, you know? So that's something I also want to remind people, like, I'm telling you my story and, and the positives about it, but understand that it took time. It took consistency. It took a lot of sacrifices. There were tears. There were, I mean, the exhaustion, you know, I have two other children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they also are a part of this. I, I not only have to deal with my kid on the spectrum and I need to teach him things, but as a unit, he's been able to progress because as a family, we've worked together because I have had to explain to my girls what they're, they've went to therapy with them. They've been a part of trainings Mm -hmm. because they learn everything through play. So they understand. I think my youngest doesn't quite understand me. She's five. We've never had that talk with her because once she came into the world, they've just always been connected and and she just gets him, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas my oldest understands this is autism, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and my brother goes to get these therapies and these are some of his challenges. And she is, we're blessed. She's just very good with him. You know, she's just good with kids in general, but it is not an easy thing. And there are so many parents who can't even afford, they can't afford it because we had insurance, but we had insurance through my husband's job. Mm -hmm. These particular, this particular company, they didn't accept government insurance, Mm -hmm. you know? So then now you're looking at possibly having that negative experience. I'm not saying that all the places who accept government insurance are like the bottom of the barrel, but um, there are good people just like, you know, there's good teachers still in schools, but you have to look at the environment, look at their pay, look at how they're being treated and how they're being compensated. The people who are really, really good and passionate about what they're doing usually get burnt out. Yeah. And they usually, um, they have to make sacrifices as well, because if they're not being compensated for the amount of time and effort that they're putting in just to simply keep their heads above water, they are a lot of times forced to quit and find something else to do that can do it. You know what I'm saying? And so, one thing that people need to understand about these types of facilities that take government insurance 
is that oftentimes they're affiliated with teaching facilities. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that they're able to do what they do is because they are using patients as an opportunity to learn, to teach students, to teach um, those who are up and coming. And so the experiences that you have, they're going to be what they are because number one, they don't have adequate funding. It's very, very much a government, um, a government effort of assisting with funding. But also you have people who, you know, some people who are doing it because they love it and they're passionate about it and um, they love to teach. But then you have people who don't know what they're doing because they're still learning. They're still babies learning and they're learning on you. Yeah. And they haven't discovered their why, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. because what is your heart posture when you do what you're doing? Is it to make money simply just to make money? Mm-hmm. Are you um, just genuinely interested in this field of study in this topic. And then even with that, why are you so interested? Because we've seen where someone can be so interested in a topic that they become obsessed and it turns into a negative thing. If you look at um, what's the guy, um, money was his last name. He was a a psychologist and he's the one who Mm -hmm. coined the term gender identity. Oh yeah. That was not even something that was talked about until he coined that term. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, he used a parent's, um, this family's misfortune of their, one of their twin boys, um, yes. having a really bad totally circumcision. Botched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John circumcision. Yes. Mm-hmm. He, he completely was obsessed with the study of hermaphrodites mm-hmm. and all of the damage that he did stemmed from his obsession with hermaphrodites and learning about the history of it and everything that had to do with hermaphrodites. And look how that turned out. And just for people who may not be aware of how that turned out or, you know, what the ultimate outcome was, both of those boys ended up committing suicide. um, Those twin boys. And because he was the one who tried to say that as long as you raise a child up you give them an assignment, whatever it is. They may mm-hmm. be born. These particular, um, you know, kids were born male. One of them had a botched circumcision. And so they ended up having to cut off his genitalia. Um, there was an issue with electrocautery. So it burned his penis really, really bad. So um, he didn't have a penis. So they, they, the parents ended up raising him as a girl under this, this physician's um, direction. And he was a psychologist from Johns Hopkins. So, you know, just because they're prominent, and they had the name behind them doesn't mean you can always trust them, John Hopkins. But anyway, so he, you know, ran this experiment on these boys. And what the parents didn't even realize is that he was also molesting these boys and having these boys perform sexual acts on each other. Really, really awful person, a really awful person. And I know there's a place for him that, you know, God, God's justice is great. So anyway, um, Yes, this is where we come up with this whole ideology that I think that people un- not understanding the background of it really like hold on to latch onto these concepts that don't make sense and do everything they can to Jimmy Riggum to make them make sense. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, guys, take a step back and understand your history. Yeah, but they're counting on us not doing that. And so that goes back to the families of autistic children or kids who have any kind of um, spectrum disorder or cognitive delays, 
we are bogged down and overwhelmed with everyday life. Yeah. Just trying to keep our head above water. So what, what capacity do you have at the end of the day to do this kind of research mm-hmm. or to learn about these things? And also then you have to look at too, you know, not everyone is surrounded by people who have these conversations. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You you don't just come upon this stuff. I mean, anyone can Google, you know, but we all know how accurate is Google. Right. Google tells you what what it wants you to know. It listens to your conversations. And mm-hmm. it would, if, if, if you want to look up something that leans towards a certain way, you can find it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So and, and that's a whole nother thing, too. But like a lot of parents do not have the capacity, the time, the resources Mm -hmm. to even get their kid any assistance. Some kids assistance, their only assistance is in the school system. And let me tell you something. Um, (laughs) One of the reasons why I am taking my kids out of school, I mean, we have been blessed with some good teams, but as of recent, I'm finding out with my son in particular, there are things going on at the school that they are not communicating with me. People who are dealing with my kid who I have never even been introduced to, mm-hmm. um, who who work with him on a daily and they are not even included in IEP meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things that I have put into the IEP that they are just not, they're not communicating well across the board. So, you know, they're not paying attention to the fact that one of the things I say in my IP is that I don't want anyone feeding him. Yeah. I send what I want him to have because of, I, I know that diet plays a big role in his productivity and his, his behavior. And so I only want him to eat what I send in his lunchbox. Well, how many times has he came home and told me that, this teacher gave him some goldfish or this person get how many times has he gotten off the bus and he comes in the house with some candy. And then I have to deal with the, the tantrum mm-hmm. that comes after me telling him you can't have this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it has food dyes or because we don't eat this. It's not healthy. I need to also always be prepared sometimes with an alternative mm-hmm. and you know what that costs money. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when, when he went to therapy, they used food because food is a is a big motivator for him. Mm-hmm. They used food as a motivator. I had to bring I had to pack so much food, but then I also had to have so much food at home. You know what I'm saying? That right. is expensive. Yeah. These are the things that are not they may seem small, but we don't talk about them. And people don't recognize that those are hurdles. And, and, because and if you don't have the money to afford these things, then right. what do you do? And and Harley can eat nonstop. He oh, wants yeah. to eat all day. We actually have to, uh, we've got him on a schedule. So he, numbers is his thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we told you numbers. Is, so it started with the time. He really is really good with telling time. So my husband wrote on the whiteboard in the kitchen, all the times that he can eat. Mm-hmm. And now that is ingrained in him to the point where he will come up to me and say, mom, it's 12 o'clock. 
was for wow. lunch. Mom, it's three o'clock. It's three o'clock, mom. It's snack time. It's six o'clock. What's for dinner? Like he's on it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but we had to do that to slow him down, mm-hmm. which helped us because it was much better than saying, no, don't let, yeah. don't get out of the kitchen. No, get out of the kitchen. No, we've told him he likes to know things in advance. So mm-hmm. he's going to ask you these questions. But that visual board of seeing, okay, this is the time. I also like to tell time, you know, and he will stand in front of the stove and look. And I mean, it could be 1157. He's going to stand there till it turns to 12 o'clock. So he can <laughs> tell me it's lunchtime. <laughs> Wow. And when um, you, you, know, you think about the foods, I talked about this during one of my episodes because I was like, you know, are they trying to bring back this, you know, is the next pandemic upon us? Because you remember you were telling me about the kids when they were sick and we were trying to figure out brain, like brainstorming. Why is it that Eva didn't get sick when she was around Harley when you guys were on vacation? But then she got sick when she got back home. And then I was like, OK, maybe it's the food at the school that they are feeding her that then alters her immune system and her ability to fight back against these viruses. And then next thing you know, here she is sick. And I came across this video on YouTube. And I'm trying to find it. And there's this like channel that talks about the toxic food that we eat. And there was, I guess this, this meat, there was this thing going around where kids were posting up videos and pictures of the food they were getting out of the lunchroom. It was it's terrible, disgusting. Like, why are they feeding this stuff to our children? And what's crazy is like David one day sent me pictures and he actually brought it home. But one day in his lunch and he's in high school, there was a, a big old rusty bolt in his food that he had eaten. Oh like my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, he took it out of his mouth and he was just like, I mean, it was a big bolt too, like a big screw, dirty looking screw. He puts it in a baggie, you know, and he takes, I'm like, okay, the school didn't even care. They were just like, yeah, sorry about that. You know, he's like, I don't understand why we couldn't sue them. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with him him, because I'm like, that sounds like a lawsuit to me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But you know, what's even more is I remember fighting with my oldest, um, her school, they wanted to have like this store. Mm-hmm. at the school and they you know gave us a list of all the things they were selling in the store honey buns candy mm-hmm. chips i mean not one healthy option and at that time we were plant-based so i'm dealing with a kid who at this time you know she's dealing with bullying she just wants to fit in she's a, a, a plant-based vegan going to school mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. these lunches that every kid is probably looking at, like, what the heck is that, you know? Right. And, you know, and then just kids, they want, we want the junk, you know? And so I'm like, so I asked the school, I said, you don't have not one option for kids who do not eat this way and their parents do not feed them this way. I said, and furthermore, you are going to feed them this and then you expect them to come sit down in a classroom and pay attention. And then you're going to mark them down um, for, you know, problem behavior if they don't. Mm -hmm. When you just pump them full of sugar and food dyes Mm -hmm. that are known carcinogen, that are known, um, you know, endocrine disruptors and Mm -hmm. brain disruptors that cause hyperactivity that cause fatigue. You're mad because they're falling asleep. You're mad because, you know, they can't sit still. 
And then on top of that, the school system, you're already not meeting their needs because you are grouping 20 plus students together to learn all in the same way. When you have a classroom who probably, what I said, eight different smarts, some kids do not learn in the logical sense. Some kids learn with music. Some kids learn with pictures. Some kids, there's so many different ways of learning and you're only teaching one. Mm-hmm. And then you're giving them all of these challenges to do it. It's, it's, it's insane to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. What's interesting as um, I came across a video this morning on my way to work and I like to listen to videos when I'm driving and there was a MedCram video and he was, he was the one that I first learned about. Um, his name is Dr. Seald and he's the one who taught me about how Vitamin D, of course, everyone knows how important vitamin D is, but what happens when you ingest high fructose corn syrup is that it basically, it, it cancels the effects of vitamin D. It turns it off. So it's not working as effectively or at all when you ingest high fructose corn syrup. Well, today he had a video that I I listened to and he was explaining uh, the effects of, you know, he was comparing, is this the same? And he had two apples that were like 38 grams of sugar versus a Coke, which was like 39 grams. Is it, is it as equivalent? And of course we know it's not. And, um, anybody who understands like the science behind the food understands that for sugars, when it comes to sugars, having them bound up in the fibers of the fruit or the vegetables is what helps you prevent, helps prevent you from having this massive spike and insulin, right? So you have the sugar go into your system, takes your body longer to break it apart, you know, and to dig it out of those cell walls and to get it and turn it and convert it. So it's versus if you drink a Coke where you just drink it and it goes straight, this is sugar that just goes straight into your system. And what they find, what happens is when you have this massive spike in insulin, then in order to drive down the blood sugar levels, what happens is then you end up becoming hypoglycemic. So your blood sugar gets too low. Your body doesn't want that. It's, it's not good to have low blood sugar. So what happens over time when you're exposing, like for instance, children drinking these juice boxes or having food with high fructose corn syrup in it, or just a lot of sugary, sweet stuff that's been highly processed is their body becomes insulin resistant in order to protect itself. Because they're constantly being exposed to these high levels of sugar. And in order to prevent the body from having these drops, these massive drops in blood sugar, it has to resist the insulin effect. And now you have diabetics. Yeah. Attacked on all fronts. Every front. Every Attacked on all fronts because that takes care of, um, you know, your diet. Right. Yeah. But what about and this is controversial, (laughs) but um, we like controversy. Right. What what about the marketing and sales for um, um, when you go out into the sun and they want you to wear sunscreen? Right. Um, You know. (laughs) Yeah. Very true. Because how are you getting your vitamin D when you're blocking it? I just want people to think about this because for the people who, who, who do not believe that sunscreen is a scam, Mm -hmm. I want you to understand that if you put a barrier over something, because that's what sunscreen is, Mm -hmm. it's a barrier over your largest organ, your skin, Mm -hmm. 
to not be able to receive the natural vitamin D, which is more effective than supplements. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We have to, and depending on where you live, you know, we do need supplements, but uh, the, the best way to get your vitamin D is to be in the sun. Yeah. And, and yet they have us doing jobs that have us inside all the time. They put oh, yeah. protection on our windows so that but has anyone read the ingredients of their sunscreen? Oh, because my question would be, why is the sun toxic to me? And I need to use this sunscreen that you're marketing to me, but your sunscreen is literally full of chemicals. Interesting because they say that if you don't use sunscreen, you're going to get skin cancer. But if you mm. use sunscreen, maybe that's actually what's causing the skin cancer. Oh, it is. It actually is. Mm. It's toxic. Why do you think now the market is uh, marketing all natural sunscreens? Like they're supposedly natural. They only have, they don't have this ingredient. It's always funny to me when people come out and say, now without such and such. And it's like, I didn't even know that was in there. Also, by you saying it doesn't have it, you're like admitting that that was not good for me. So what, you know, but yeah, that's, that's the thing. Or even for black women, it's like, there's a, or black people, a sunscreen for black people. Well, first of all, (laughs) if you're black and you're listening to this, like you have melanin, God gave you melanin, which is your natural sunscreen, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so look that up you know, do your own research, but you have to start asking questions. What Mm -hmm. is, what is in this? What do they stand to gain by, by telling you this lie? And what's, what I'm curious about is because we're told to trust the science. Okay. You guys all know that I'm past the point of trusting the science because I know how manipulated the science is based on what the industry wants the science to be. And so I'm thinking, okay, let's actually, do we have the science? I'm sure it's out there. And I, I'm just ignorant to it, but have they tested the skin cancer rates in say Africa versus America? Because if, yeah. if they're, and I'm, and I can, I can bet, I'm willing to bet that they are not using sunscreen and they're in the sun far longer than we are. Why I would, would go our further to even ask, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know this. So for those listening again, just do your research, but this is a question um, for you to ponder and look up when, when was skin cancer first discovered? Mm-hmm. When was that? Because I just refuse to believe that back in biblical days, <laughs> you know, right. um, in the middle East that in Africa and Asia that what were they using? Where I can tell you what I use. I use coconut oil. Mm. Yep. I don't use sunscreen. I never put sunscreen on me or my kids. Mm-hmm. And I never burn. Mm-hmm. I use coconut oil. That's a great idea. And what did they have back in those times? They used olive oil. They used coconut Olive oil is one of yeah. them. Coconut oil. Um, they had shea butters if you were in Africa and mm-hmm. all those things. Um, they didn't have sunscreen. Mm. So I would be interested to know when was the first case of skin cancer documented with the advent of sunscreen? Yes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yep. 
There's so many things. There was something else that can, that I came across recently. And I was just like, here we go. You know, they, they want to, they want to, Oh, for people who are unaware, they have now approved the use of lab created meats to be used yeah. in restaurants. So, which is interesting to me because, um, when I became plant-based vegan, um, you know, now it's so much more accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, especially my mom, like I said, my mom was pescatarian, got allergic to seafood. And then, so then she became a vegan and really for sure at that time, no one was checking for vegans. Like there was not many options. Mm-hmm. It was like, what, why are you eating this way? <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, I thought that about my mom too, even though her food was good that she made, I was just mm-hmm. like, but you don't want this bacon, uh, you know? And so, <laughs> um, it's interesting to me now to see all of the companies like Tyson and any of the meat companies. Now they all have plant-based options, yeah. which also is misleading because if you read, read your ingredients, guys, everything, food, what you're putting on your body, putting in your body, turn it over. Don't look at what the front says because they're mm-hmm. lying. Mm-hmm. Turn it over and look at the ingredients and these plant-based, these quote-unquote plant-based meats, they're not plant-based. Nope. I mean, what plants not- are in them? Mm-hmm. What plants? You, at best, you, you're going to find pea protein. You're going to find soy, mm-hmm. which is a, a GMO crop. Um, and then maybe, maybe the last like two ingredients, you might see like broccoli or something. But um, that just tells you that there's not much of that in there. Yeah, there's and then you have to ask yourself this. And this is my question. When I read the ingredients of something that says only five ingredients. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's in the grocery store. So what is in there that is preserving it? Because if it's truly, truly clean and doesn't have anything in it, but these five ingredients. How is it able to stay in this grocery store this long and then come to my house and last? for seven days after I opened. Mm-hmm. So true. You, 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 now you didn't opened up a whole nother bag of worms. Cause now I want to go down this <laughs> and we can't because we've run out of time because, Oh my goodness. I, you have me looking at labels now and I'm learning about how many things I've been lied to about. Like for instance, oh, yeah. when you first told me about the, um, what was that meat company that came out? that's supposedly, you know, impossible. Yeah. Impossible burgers. And you were like, don't eat that stuff. It's, it's, it's toxic stuff basically. And I was like, tastes so good. And when I recently just came across a documentary about how they make that stuff and I promise you, no one should be ingesting this stuff. And I can't even go down this route now because we're out of time. And my goal here is to shine a light in the darkness. It's time.